Boston Sports Syndicate. What's going on, everybody? It's episode two of Above the Parquet, which is the Boston Sports Syndicate's podcast dedicated solely to the Celtics and everything NBA. I'm your host, Matty D. You know me from the Syndicates, the Red Sox podcast we named later, and I used to write articles. Maybe I'll get back to that. And I am joined once again by my two heavy hitters, two uh, senior senior writers for the Syndicate, my co-host, Chris Henrique and Derek McVeigh. What's going on, guys? How's it going, Matt? How are we doing today, guys? Just living that quarantine life, huh? You know, <laughs> same as last time. That's it. That's all you can do. That's all you can do, right? I mean, you play video games. You guys watch Ozark. Like, we talked a little about Tiger King last time. You know, who knows? Okay, so episode two is not going to be so COVID-19 heavy. It's going to be very Celtic-centric. But I do want to get one thing out of the way now. I just want to say to Marcus Smart and everyone, uh, he's all recovered. You know, I'm very happy for you, Marcus. It's great to have no more symptoms from COVID-19. And uh, he's actually donating his plasma for research to see if that helps people who are currently under the having symptoms of COVID-19. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, I did. I did see that. So Marcus Smart's probably going to find the cure to uh, coronavirus. <laughs> His blood. Yeah. Defensive player of the year. Saving the whole country. (laughs) Saving Boston sports and now saving the country. Marcus (laughs) Smart, you are a hero. All right. So let's just dive right in, shall we? Celtics, you know, the season ended in the beginning of March. And what was the last game they played? The 12th? Feels like forever. Yeah. It feels like forever. Absolutely. So they, they stopped their game. They came off a win. I believe it was Indiana Pacers on the road. It was a strong road victory. And then, boom, everything went black. No more games. Postponed. 18 games left on the schedule. And I just want to start with, what did you guys think of their season up to that point? Chris, let's start with you. Well, I mean, they definitely, they're, they're going to benefit from the time off to get healthy. But the season up to that point, I mean, you know, Kemba was hurt, um, but we got to really see the emergence of Tatum. Um, I thought that he was playing really well over the last, call it maybe month, month or so, because, I mean, he really didn't start off the year too hot. You know, he didn't really look, you know, look that great. But, um, you know, just it's unfortunate that what's going on in the world, you know, is causes the, the sport to stop. But in, in a respect, though, they're going to get healthy. Um I think they were like five and five though in the last ten games. So they're definitely gonna, you know, just I think what's gonna suck though is that like when they come back to play is how long is it gonna take them to get going. You know, you know some of these guys haven't touched the basketball. I think Jason Tatum said that he hasn't even uh, shot a free throw in like weeks. So, but um, no, I just they're gonna benefit from this time off, but uh, you know, just to get guys healthy. Oh, certainly. They'll definitely benefit. But at the same time, it's kind of a blank slate. Everyone's getting the time off. Everyone's getting healthy. And everyone's going to be at that disadvantage you're talking about in terms of practice and game flow and momentum. But, Derek, how did you feel about their their season up until until the stoppage? 
Yeah, I think um, they were kind of they kind of overachieved. Or well, coming into the season, you know, people thought having lost, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Marcus Morris, and some other guys that they might have lost some talent. Uh, but for the the better of the team, you know, Brad Stevens said coming into the season that he wanted his goal this year was to have a team that was more likable than last year. Um, he could sense it. The fans hated last year's team. I mean, they were good. Um, you know, they had, they had a ton of talent, but they just didn't, it didn't coexist. Uh, and you're a hard, hard team to like, hard team to root for. Uh, they kind of splintered when things went poorly on the court. Um, and that is the complete opposite of the team this year. This team, um, is a great, has great chemistry. Uh, they stick together. They've, you know, when things are going poorly on the court, they, you know, band together and keep fighting uh, that, you know, that Celtic heart and, and grit that has been characteristic of Brad Stevens teams since he's been here is evident in this year's team. Um, so I think in that regard, I don't think people expected them to be towards the top of the Eastern Conference standings coming into the year. Um, but as the year progressed and you saw how Tatum and Brown emerged, um, you know, it makes sense that they're. The, you know, towards the top of the standings. Um, as of lately, you know, they weren't playing their best basketball before the suspension hit. Uh, you know, they had lost four of their last six and lost some ugly games, blowing some big leads. But, you know, it's an 82-game grind, so that, that stuff tends to happen. But overall, it's a, a very pleasant surprise and a, a pretty good season. I think just, yeah, this- you know, really, I just, I think the bench, though, um, I, I wish that leading up to... I mean, obviously, you didn't, you didn't know that games were going to stop, but I wish they would have addressed the bench. Um, I don't think that they have enough on the bench right now, so maybe the time off will kind of maybe rectify that. And but I just don't think they got enough off the bench. I didn't put this in the notes, so we're going to kind of shoot from the hip. But were you guys a little well, obviously disappointed? But Danny Ainge didn't make any moves at the deadline to address that bench, like you mentioned, Chris. What were your feelings when that? kind of quietness and that inactivity from Danny Ainge. What did, were you guys, did you think it was typical? Did you read any rumors that didn't come to fruition? You know, what, what, what was your experience with the trade deadline? Well, I think it's been typical. I mean, it's been par for the course. You know, I, I think personally, Danny Ainge, and this is probably going to be a strong opinion. I, I personally think that Danny Ainge gets too much credit uh, for being called Trader Danny. You know, and being this, you know, GM genius, he's won one world championship in his entire time of being here uh, and being the head of the Celtics operation. But the last couple of years, he just he, he hasn't made a trade. And I, and I know that he's probably trying to find the best deal. And I respect that. But I think we're overvaluing players on the roster. I think we're overvaluing players like Grant Williams and and Ojale and, and Robert Williams. You know, I think those guys can be expendable. If you can go out and get something to, to you know, store up that bench, knowing that you're in a really good spot from a playoff perspective and it could take you deeper into the season, I just into the postseason. Think about when they won when they won the NBA Finals. You know, guys like Sam Cassell, PJ Brown, they had players like that that were coming off the bench. They they weren't going to give you major minutes, but at least they contributed off the bench. Uh, Brandon Bass, another guy like those are guys that contributed for that team during that that championship run, I don't have that same feeling for this team. And you're yeah. forgetting one name. You thought you forget about Eddie. I run the house. Uh, I love he Eddie money. Huge. Love that guy. Yeah. Eddie money. Yeah. No, you're, that's absolutely right. Now, do you guys think that they would have 
really, really hit the buyout market hard. Buyouts usually start in the middle of March, right around the time when the league was postponed. Now, do you think that Danny would have been players in the buyout market? Uh, potentially. Um, you know, going back to the the trade deadline, I agree with Chris in that it's become uh, like status quo, where the Celtics are constantly linked to all these discussions and trade talks, but at the end of the day, nothing comes to fruition. And I think part of it is because Danny Ainge, you know, he had that awesome deal with the Brooklyn Nets, and now he's always in search of that next deal that's like that. Or he, at the same time, he doesn't want to be on the other end of that, so he's hesitant to pull the pull the trigger on, you know, deals that could be, you know, questionable or, or a little bit risky. Uh, but at the same time, I agree the bench definitely could have been upgraded. I just don't know of the guys that were moved. I just don't know who was available, you know, that that was traded that the, the Celtics could have got. And it makes them, you know, a title contender. It makes them, you know, it helps them in a, a series against Milwaukee or, you know, helps them against the, the Lakers or the Clippers. I just don't know if one of those guys were available. Um, you know, some of the teams around them, like the Heat, the Sixers made some moves, um, but those guys that they acquired, you know, if the Celtics went out and got a guy like Glenn Robinson or Alec Burks, I mean, would people around here have been excited about that name? Um, I just don't know who who was available um, that the Celtics could have acquired that would have, you know, made them a championship contender. I don't know if there's anybody that puts them, like, necessarily over the top, but... I mean, the Knicks went out and got Marcus Morris. He's averaging 19.6 points a game, having the, the standout year. Unless something happened so drastically that Danny Ainge couldn't bring him back into the fold, you know, why not go and reach out and see if you can bring a player like that in again? Um, I, I mean, the clear the clear need is a is a big man. Now, I, I Enos Kanter has, has played well. Um and you know, Thice has played well, but like, I just feel like they needed something else off the bench. You know, I, as you were like, guys were talking about, I was kind of thinking, you know, that old like saying, you know, sometimes the, you know, the best moves are ones you don't make. It just, I feel like he hasn't made those moves in a very long time. I just, and just think of the Celtics. They've, they just, they've kind of come up short over the last couple of years. And I'm not, and I'm not putting the blame on Danny Ainge. So I think he does a really good job with what he does, you know, but, the main Red Claws have probably the best, you know, you know, minor league basketball team in, you know, in North America. At some point, take these assets and really go ahead and address the roster to get you over that next to that next level. That's just you know kind of where I feel with that, you know, because I feel like the team's close. I don't think the team is like close. Hey, we're going to win a championship this year, but I think the team is close. If you're that close, just go ahead and get a player and just do it and just and just go for it. Add that guy in here, make that trade, and see what happens. You know what I think? I think Danny Ainge has become gun shy. He was known for heisting other GMs with the Brooklyn Nets trade, with the the Minnesota Timberwolves trade to get Garnett. And then, if you guys remember, he traded Kendrick Perkins for Jeff Green. And that trade was possibly the reason they petered out that season. And ever since then, he has not made trades in the middle of the season. Yes, he made the Kyrie trade, but that was a no-brainer, and that was in the offseason. That was in the offseason. 
Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, it's in the off season. So Sorry, I got during season. Yeah. Hey, get off my back, Chris. <laughs> this, is my, this is only my second episode of hosting. I'm just kidding. Quarantine's got me going all crazy. But no, I think he's gun shy. I think Danny Ainge has been just scouring the market for that trade that he can just laugh at the other GM about. But it, it's just not there, especially in the middle of the year. It's not going to be there. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm at the point though. I'm tired of wanting to let, let's stop laughing at the other team because you're not winning a championship. You know, right. the, the the team every year he's building teams that can compete. But again, like you need another big man. You're you're probably on a collision course to potentially play the Bucks. This team should get should arguably get to an Easter Conference Finals. Now. To, you know, you're putting all your eggs into Marcus Smart, you know, potentially trying to hold down in a matchup against the Bucks. Where if you can get a couple of, you get just one big man, just one big, Marcus Morris would add more attitude to that team. You know, they just, and I was saying they don't have, any, you know, like a bunch of like attitude, but like, I think that he would help them get to the, to the next level in that respect. You know, again, not putting him over the top, but. Just he would bring some sort of swagger to this team that I'm not. It just I think it would help them out because I think that they're from a chemistry standpoint. Because Eric touched on it, they are just night and day from what they were last year. I just I really wish that he would have made that move because I, I just I unfortunately I feel like we're going to come up disappointed with the Celtics team in the playoffs. And I mean we can blame it on the coronavirus. At least we can do that this year. But you know if all things equal. You know, there's no stoppage in play. There's no errors. This team doesn't, you know, go to the NBA Finals or go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think we have the right to start, hey, you know, putting pressure on Danny Age saying, hey, like, okay, what's the deal here? Because now you're not doing what's in the best interest of the team. Yeah, I agree with you there. Sometimes it's not about winning the deal. It's about getting the player you need. And Danny Ainge has just been, like we all have said here, scouring the market for that. No, bro- no doubt. Home run trade and it wasn't there like you said Morris was out there and I know there was a bit they would have had to play with the cap a little bit he was a little expensive and they're kind of up against it but in every in every situation you they can manipulate the cap they can do things to get it going now they they have clinched a playoff spot and they are they do sit atop you know their third seed in the east so they are doing well this year and they are a team of runs. If you look at their schedule, it's it's like winning streak, losing streak, winning streak, losing streak, winning streak, losing streak. So I don't know how that will play in the playoffs, but I do want to talk about one thing about the first half. And, Derek, you touched on it briefly already, so maybe you can kick us off. Has Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum taken that next step, and are they on their way to becoming superstars? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no question they each um, have taken the next step forward. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people saw Tatum as potentially becoming this player. I don't think anyone saw it with Jalen Brown. I think his his progression has been more surprising than Tatum's. Um, you know, you kind of or Chris kind of mentioned it that Tatum got off to a, a rocky start. Um, it was more he was his shooting was pretty poor. His his efficiency, you know, he was putting up. Good numbers, uh, you know, getting 20, 25 points a night, but it was coming on like 15 or 16 shots. Uh, but he's improved upon that significantly, you know, ever since really the the new year, but more specifically in February. Since February hit, I mean, he's been on a, another level. Um, but, yeah, Brown and Tatum have been awesome. 
I hesitate. I think Tatum is on his way to becoming a superstar. I think Brown still has a, there's a couple things that he would need to add to his game. Uh, I mean, I think he's, he's awesome. He's been great. The one difference between Tatum and Brown right now is I see Tatum can just take a guy one-on-one. Uh, no problem. Brown, he, you know, he's, he's a attack the basket, you know, and you kind of overpower guys on his way to the, the hoop where Tatum will just pull up in front of a guy as, and just bury a shot in his face. I don't know if Brown has that capability yet. Um, so I think that's the one thing that in my eyes makes Tatum a little more of a superstar than Brown. Um, but there's no denying they've both been um, huge this season. Jared, do you think Jalen Brown's good play has any of it has stemmed from him getting that extension? Maybe it was a little bit of monkey off the back, a little bit of a stress reliever that he wasn't playing for that big contract. Now that he has it, do you think that has contributed to his step up in, in game play? I think it, I think it definitely uh, has motivated him, but I think in the other way in that he's wanted to, a lot of people came out and said, Oh, that's an overpay for Jalen Brown. And I think he's wanting to prove people wrong. Uh, and motivated to show him that, like, no, I'm worth every penny. Um, and I think he was motivated by last year, too. You know, he took a lot of heat last year after the, you know, the postseason run they had a couple of years ago with when Kyrie was out and him and Tatum kind of stole the show. And then last year he kind of took a, a back seat and really wasn't the same guy that we had saw, you know, two years ago. So I think that kind of motivated him to, to be a little more aggressive. Um, and, yeah, I think the – he was kind of wanting to show his worth and getting that big contract. Certainly. Now, Chris, what do you have to say about Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and their next step towards becoming a superstar? I think Tatum is, he's well on his way. Um, and I, I think you see it just, if you take a look at like from a social media and just, you know, on an off the court perspective, um, you know, he just, after the game that the Celtics played against the Lakers and you just the embrace between him and LeBron, you know, you could just, you can tell that guys like LeBron guys that have the cachet in the league, they, they're responding to Tatum. And I think that's a good thing for the Celtics because, you know, as they continue to build this team and as they continue to grow every year, having a guy like Jason Tatum that has that respect that, and also is beginning to look like a superstar is going to attract players. And Boston has had a tough time bringing marquee players here through free agency up until recently, you know, by bringing in Hayward. But I also think that Brad Stevens helped that piece out. I was surprised that they signed Al Horford. I was psyched that they signed him when they did. Um, but Boston has never had that, mo of bringing in free agents they've had to trade for everybody i think jason tatum gives them an opportunity right now that he can help maybe bring some bring some people here that we may not expect because of his play he's in his third year now he's averaging 23 points a game uh you know he took part in the all-star game he's on his way he is a hundred percent on his way and i i really hope that you know and i think obviously it's going to happen but i you know Get this kid signed, get him locked up, similar to what you did to Brown. And now you have an outstanding core with him. I, you know, Kemba Walker, I think, is, is the leader of the team right now. But if Jason Tatum can, can continue on the trajectory that he is, he could, he's going to be that next superstar in Boston, similar to the Mookie Betts and the Tom Brady's that were here. 
Now, to jump back really quick to Brown, I thought when they signed him to that deal, I thought it was a bit high. I thought the four years and 115 was a lot for Brown because mm-hmm. I feel like that's money that you're paying players who are established. These are guys that you're going to invest. You know, that that's for Brown to get that kind of cash. I was like, OK, <laughs> like so, you know, but but Danny Ainge is betting on him to do exactly, I think, to what Derek was saying, where. People are going to doubt him. People are going to say, okay, that's too much kind of like what I did and what other people have. And I think he's also proven people wrong. Um, and that's a good thing. And I think they have a really good young core. You know, I, I mean, it, Brown could have been an all-star. He wasn't, but he's on pace for he's for 20 uh, points. That's going to be a career high for, for the year. He's on, on pace for a career high in rebounds and in assists. So I think the future is, is incredibly bright with this team. And Danny Ainge has, you know, he's as much as we just criticized him on making trades to improve the roster. He has hit home runs with these draft picks mm-hmm. in the early part of, of the draft. You know, I, I'm really excited because I feel like the core here, there's something that we can be really excited about here with this team. But Tatum, Tatum to me, he's, he's going to be a superstar and it's not a matter of, you know, it's really just a matter of time. It could be just next year. I mean, I think Tatum, we, I think we're all on the same page with both of these players. Real quick, I'll just talk about Brown. Uh, I was on your side of things, Chris. I thought it was a little high, not necessarily because of the AAV, but more so because they had already paid Gordon Hayward. They had already paid Kemba Walker. So now in this league where it's kind of designed to you, can, so where you can pay your big three, it felt kind of like, okay, you're going to give him that early and it kind of handcuffs you, and maybe that was kind of what played into the trade deadline. But he's played great, he's been aggressive, and he's looked like a team leader. And from all things you hear about this this roster is they all respect him. He's uh, uh, the, the Celtics representative, uh, I, I believe, of the Players Union. He might actually be one of the vice president of the Players Union now. So he's a smart guy, he's a leader. And, and, and you know, I, I, I think overall, would be happy that they gave him the extension. And as far as Tatum, Derek, you touched on this briefly. Since the beginning of February, he has been unreal. I mean, you hate to say it, but he's kind of looked like Kobe Bryant. Taking fadeaways, shooting in confidence, shooting in big time uh, throughout the game, hitting big shots, shooting with two guys in his face. The guy's been electric. I mean, since February 5th, he's tallied up I believe it's like eight or nine 30-point games, and he's had a couple of high 20s sprinkled in. The kid's a superstar. And like you said, Chris, if you hit social media, if you're if you're on Twitter, if you're big into the off-the-court type of buzz, it's num- number zero's got the buzz. He is going to be – Sign him. I, I, yeah. just, I, I, I don't see him not re-signing here and, and being here long-term, but – I'm a little weary because of what we just saw with the other two sports teams in, in, in Boston. You got to, I, I just, they have such a, like they have two young stars that they can build around. I mean, they're not the LeBrons of the world, but like, I, I don't know. I just, we haven't had a player here in a very, very long time, probably since Paul Pierce that we can say like, we can get this excited. They went out, they drafted and is becoming like a legit NBA top 10 player. Oh, certainly. And that core, I mean, Tatum and Brown are both top three picks, I believe. 
And then you sprinkle in a Marcus Smart yep. who went top ten. Yeah, Smart and, was six. I mean, they right, yeah, it's right. So you you have your your high end draft capital that he's used, and he seemed to do well with it. So that young core is very 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 exciting, and I'm excited for you know hopefully they they finish the rest of the season. And more on that, they we talked about it a little bit in episode one if we thought the NBA is going to come back when we thought. It's going to come back, so we're not really going to dive into that. But I do want to dive into one thing. If the NBA comes back and they do ha- play out the rest of the season, what do you expect the Celtics to do? Do you expect them to get it going and get those Ws back in the books? Or do you think that this this, this losing streak right before the suspension will carry over? What are your expectations, Eric, if they come back and play out the rest of the regular season? I think for them it's... Uh, you know, it may be, it may take them a little, like a game or two or a little bit to to get going again. Um, but I think everyone's going to be in the same boat. I I see their ceiling as you know Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, challenging Milwaukee. I don't know if they have enough to beat them. Um, but I definitely see them. You know, putting a a deep run, uh, especially having all this time off. Guys like you know Brown and Walker able to to nurse their injuries and get back to full health. We haven't seen this team fully healthy very often this year. Um, and when they are fully healthy, you know, that does help their bench a little bit. I mean, their bench is still poor and the, the weak part of the team. But when you've got their full starting five and then Marcus Smart comes off the bench, I mean, that makes your bench a little bit better. And then with, you know, your core four of Hayward, Walker, Brown and Tatum, you know, Brad Stevens can kind of get creative with substitution patterns and kind of staggering minutes to where, you know, one or two of those guys are on the court at all times. So you don't have to go as deep into your bench. You don't have to see guys like Carson Edwards or Grant Williams for, you know, more than a minute or two. Uh, But I definitely see them as a, you know, a candidate to go on a deep run um, should this season resume. And Chris, you touched on how the suspension could affect them, both positively and negatively. But what do you expect them to do when they come back? I think um, I think there's one player that they need to step up, and it's Gordon Hayward. Um, mm. And I, and I mean, he's a big up. money player. I'm gonna, you know, walk. I'm gonna walk away from the money piece. I'm just gonna look at it from the respect of, you know, he's been banged up this year, so this time off will allow him also to get healed up. Um, I just they need a confident Gordon Hayward in the playoffs. You know, just he's a veteran, so there's a benefit with that. You know, he's um he's he's just he's looked better attacking, you know, when he's down in the paint. He's looked better, you know, I think he's getting more confidence in his in his foot. I think he's getting more confidence in his ankle. Um I, I think that he's one of the keys to them being successful. Obviously Kemba's health is is going to be paramount to what they're going to do because again he's their point guard he's the leader of the team you know um i think while we're saying that tatum is going to be a superstar i don't know if he's ready to kind of put a, a team on his back through the and do a you know through a playoff run um i would be you know really really disappointed if this team couldn't get to the nba finals i i really i think they have the team to do it i just don't know if they have enough to win it 
I think that they're going to have their hands full of the Bucks, but I think they could beat the Bucks. I, I really do. I think that in a seven-game series, they could beat the Bucks, but they're going to need a lot to fall their way. And one of those is going to be as a healthy Gordon Hayward. They're going to need Marcus Smart to to play, you know, to be able to play well. But again, this is a Marcus Smart that's coming off having coronavirus. And I know we're saying he's healthy, but still, like, he may not have the virus anymore. But how long is it going to take for him to get the basketball speed? You know, where is he from a strength standpoint? You know, where is he from a physicality standpoint? You know, so I think that there's a lot of question marks in that respect. But I, I think that this team can make it far. I think they could go to the finals. I, I don't know if they have enough to potentially be a Western Conference team. But the, yeah, the, the future is right here. I I just I just wish that this that this whole thing wasn't happening because like, you know, what I mean, we would already be getting ready to we I, we'd already have playoff basketball we, or we'd be on the cusp of it. Oh, definitely. I mean, to your point, Chris, now let me ask you this actually about Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. If he if he kicks his game up and continues to you know, do the things that they need him to do, score and be confident and, and take over the floor when, when asked. Are you looking for him to be the number three player on, on this roster, the number two player, or the number four? Because we got Tatum and, and Kemba Walker, theoretically, are you one and two? But then you have Brown and Gordon Hayward. So do you, where do you find that they, they're most successful? Gordon Hayward's the second best player, third best player, or fourth best player in the court? You know where I think that Gordon Hayward would actually be the best for them in the playoffs? is off the bench. I, this, they've, they may not have made a trade to to solidify the bench. So I guess your next best piece is, all right, what do I have in my roster now? Could Gordon Hayward be that player that can come off the bench and, and give them those minutes that they're going to need there? You know, could he provide a different change of pace for this team from that respect? And, and you know, is he a bench player? No. And I know people are going to say, well, he makes 30 plus million dollars. Can he come off the bench? I think at this point you need to just you need to set your best starting lineup and then what can you do to make your bench strong and healthy for the latter end of the game. I, that's what I would go with. That's I, I think would benefit them the most. Plus, I think maybe with him and you're limiting his time and maybe his minutes and you're, you're and you have him come off the bench, you might also maybe limit the opportunity for injury because again he's been banged up. He's had a lot of as I would like to call it Clay Buckholtz type injuries this year. For me mm. personally. <laughs> you, know, you know, if you jump into the Red Sox out of it, you have a guy like Clay Buckles with all the he had all the talent in the world, but he just always had that nagging injury from like holding the baby and falling asleep the wrong way. And he missed like the majority of the year, you know, and, you know, I just feel like Gordon Hayward. He's just ever since that ankle ankle injury, it's always just been something else. This guy, you know, what I mean, and I like him. I, I, I was like, I thought this was an outstanding signing when they got him. I just. I think he needs to kind of live up to his J.D. Drew type contract, in my opinion. That's, That's a good Red Sox references right there. Can, Chris, can we do any type of content without mentioning Red Sox? <laughs> you know, you just you can't take the Red Sox out of me, I guess, you know? <laughs> you I can take like, us out of the Red Sox podcast, but you can't take the Red Sox podcast. I know, right right now, I feel like I feel like our other co-host, Bill, is just sitting there and he's going to listen. He's just smiling right now. Just thinking of all the Red Sox stuff that we're able to put out there. So, <laughs> Derek, what do you have to th- what do you have to say about maybe Gordon Hayward coming up the bench? Because after Chris mentioned it, I kind of like that idea. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm of the mindset is that you put your you know your best starting five out there. I mean, you know, if you okay. put Hayward on the bench, then I don't know who. 
who do you put into the the starting lineup? Um, I mean, do you put Smart in there? And then that kind of if you put Smart in the starting lineup, then that's going to make Brad Wanamaker play more minutes. He'll kind of be your your reserve unit point guard, which I don't think anyone wants to see in the playoffs. Um, so I think if if fully healthy, keep him in the starting lineup. Um, and you know, to your original question, is he best as your second, third, fourth option? I think the beauty of this team is they have four guys who you could really go to in you know in in crunch time, uh, and you just kind of you they play within the game. That's what's made them so effective this year is that they've played so well off of one another. Uh, you know, it's not. You know, if some guy's hot, they feed him on that night. If another guy's hot, they'll feed him on that night. You know, it really all depends on that night. You know, Tatum's had, you know, a ton of huge games recently. Kemba Walker had some big games in the first half of the year. And Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward have had some, you know, had their moments in big games sprinkled throughout the season. So I think they just play within the offense. Um, And Hayward's done a great job of doing that this year, being aggressive when, uh, you know, he's needed to be. Uh, you know, and sitting back and let Tatum and Walker and, and Brown run things when they're when they're hot, not calling for the ball and being too aggressive. Uh, I mean, this clearly has been his best year as a Celtic. You just look at the numbers. I mean, he's shooting over 50 percent from the field, which is a career high. And, um, you know, I, I think it's tops for the Celtics, uh, 17 points a game, um, which don't really compare to his Utah numbers. But again, a different situation. You know, he was the guy in Utah. Now he's playing with three other guys who are um, just as capable as him. So I think he's done a great job of understanding his role, playing within the offense. And I think for them to be successful, they all move moving forward. The four of them just have to continue to do that and maybe lean on Tatum and Walker a little bit uh, more than they would the other two. Um, but in the end, you have four guys who could really be your go to option late in a game. I just I'm I'm worried about I I I know I guess I'm still worried about Marcus Smart just because of him having you know COVID nineteen and you know he is cleared of that I'm just I'm still concerned about that you know because I felt like he was probably like a wild card in general for this team you know he's gonna be that guy that's gonna be up against Giannis if they play them so you know he'll be able to provide that defense there but now I really feel like he went from being a wild card where, you know, from just the regular season and and whatever, but now it's, I just, I'm concerned about the health and can he get up to, up to speed? Because again, like we've heard what this virus does to you, you know, we just haven't really heard what happens after it and how long it takes you to kind of get back to your regular everyday life. You know, I guess the comparison would have to be is, you know, how has Rudy Gobert been since he's been cleared of it? So to me, again, like I feel like that Hayward is kind of that that guy that can kind of put it all together. But if Smart isn't what he was, that could be a problem. That could be a huge, huge problem, you know, just from a stamina standpoint. And maybe I'm reading into it too much, but, you know, I, I just that concerns me uh, just in that respect. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that if Smart isn't himself, that's a huge problem because he is. You know, he's not the most talented guy on the team, but I think if you asked anyone in that locker room, he's the heart and soul of that team. I mean, he is. He's like uh, the Brad Marshall. Yeah, right. He gets the crowd into it. You know, he gets under opponent's skin. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Brings that, you know, that dirt and um, aggression and grit into the game. 
Um, you know, he has said he feels great and feels like he could go play a game right now. Now he could just be saying that. Who knows? Um, you know, he's he's fully cleared, and he may have who knows a couple months before they're even back to basketball activity. So he could have plenty of time to get a, his body right. But you're right. You know, we don't know what the you know the after effects of this uh, virus are, and if it's you know dependent, if it varies from person to person. I mean, that's that's what it seems to be right now that, you know, everyone reacts differently to it. Uh, so Marcus Smart is, you know, a little bit of a cyborg, so it may not even affect him. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, t- time will tell. Speaking of getting under your opponent's skin, I don't know why. I just envision just great smack talk from Marcus Smart. Looking Gianna straight in the eyes. It's like, buddy, I beat COVID-19. I can beat you. <laughs> and just no fans. No fans potentially being in, in attendance and maybe being able to hear that, that's gonna be that's gonna be some quality sound. Yeah, that's a guy that's that's a guy that's not shy at speaking his mind, so I'd love to hear. Uh, we've what seen about, I mean talking to refs too. We'd just love to hear some of the things he says on the court. Oh yeah. I watched actually I'm gonna mention real quick, I saw something on Twitter, it was a it was the clip of Paul Pierce jarring with Al Harrington and then when he drills that three in the Oh space, yeah, in the playoffs. Yes, and yeah. I just when you said that, I immediately thought, imagine hearing that smack talk with no fans. Oh man, just what would it would just been it would have been awesome. But yeah, that was just a quick thought. So what were you gonna say, Chris? I was gonna ask you. Uh, you know, we've we've kind of mentioned mm-hmm. Hayward. We've talked about Smart. What about Daniel Tice? Like, where? How do you think he plays in this whole thing? Like, where do you like? How do you see him impacting them in the, in a playoff run? Because there is another player too. He's having a great year. He's averaging nine points a game. You know, he's he's really kind of exceeded expectations where Enos Kanter was probably that guy coming into the year. We all expected him to be the starting center, and he just kind of took over that role. Oh, yeah. And, and a, you know, my, my biggest, I guess, fear with him is how he would match against teams like the Sixers and like the Milwaukee Bucks, teams with a lot of height and a lot of strength because he's – I don't even believe he's seven feet tall – and he's not really your banger. He's not underneath the boards, kind of like your Aaron Baines was. But conversely to that, if you have Tatum playing well and you have Kemba Walker running the point right and Jalen Brown's doing his thing and Gordon Hayward, I think he could be a huge weapon because you could stretch that floor with a guy like Daniel Tice. If you're worrying about four other options, Daniel Tice might be left alone. And if he can hit those big corner threes or something from the elbow – Daniel Tice can provide a lot of energy given his skill set. I don't know if he's necessarily the key to them. He's really just their role player uh, and not exactly, like I said, he's not the banger, but a stretch five can come in handy when you have a team like the Celtics have. I think he's been kind of like their unsung hero all year. Certainly. He's been consistent. No doubt about that. I agree. I agree. And whether, you know, Hayward comes off the bench or not, if they're all playing well, depth is what matters, I think, for Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens is a great clipboard coach. He can draw up the right play. Like you guys had mentioned earlier, he can exploit the weakest matchup. So Brad Stevens, the more players playing to their level, it's really going to help Brad Stevens do his thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in the playoffs – rotations tend to to shrink anyway um right. so you know it'll probably get down to maybe eight seven eight guys um so that limits the amount of 
bench players that are in there, which is makes it more all more important that the Celtics are fully healthy. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, even if they only play eight guys, you still are going to have a guy like Brad Wanamaker or Grant Williams, um, Ojale, uh, someone mm-hmm. that's getting, you know, playoff minutes that, you know, you potentially could have upgraded at the trade deadline. I, I, I mean, I'm more comfortable with Ojale than I am with Wanamaker, to be honest with you. You know, I, I think, you know, Grant Williams, it's been a, a really what a smaller sample size. He just got back to being hurt. But I, you know, for me personally, I think Ojale has a little more upside than a Wanamaker. But again, like, I know you can't predict what we're going through right now, but just, I just stop. He just overvalued a lot of these, just like, you know, just these, just these interchangeable players that he could have gone out and tried to pick up someone on that market right after the buyout. Because at the buyout, everybody makes the same amount of money. And just this one player, two players would have been just an upgrade to get this team to the next level, you know, especially now. Like now knowing what we know, like Marcus Smart not being fully healthy. You still got Kemba Walker dealing with a knee. You know, who knows what really is actually going on. So don't want to be doom and gloom. You know what I mean? I don't, you know, I don't want to play that card. I, I you know, there's this probably still going to be more time of, you know, where there's going to be no NBA basketball based off of kind of where we are right now with things in the world um, sitting here now, what on April 2nd. So we're probably still a ways away. The Red, uh, the Red Sox, geez, I can't get them off my head. <laughs> you just miss baseball so much. I know. Yeah. Uh, at least the Celtics have an opportunity to still to, to get Marcus smart, healthy, rest that knee for Kemba, rest every possible body part that Gordon Hayward might hurt. So just get these guys ready to go, get these guys healthy, and, you know, hopefully it just translates to a really deep playoff run because I think it, it can happen. They have the players. They just are just a, maybe a player or two short of going at it, you know, that extra, you know, extra mile. But. Yeah, even uh, like Jalen Brown had t- just tweaked his hamstring, uh, you know, right before this suspension. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a, another huge injury to, you know, rest and recover. Uh, I think one thing that, really hurt this team going into the season um, is I think they anticipated Carson Edwards being that guy off the bench that could help them. A guy that could come in, um, knock down a couple threes, you know, maybe give you eight or nine points a night and provide that spark off the bench. And he just hasn't been that guy for whatever reason. He struggled to hit his shot. You know, he looked good in preseason, had some big games, uh, but he's just struggled to hit his shot consistently. He's been back and forth between Maine and Boston. Uh, so he's been a, a disappointment. But again, I mean, he's been a disappointment all year. So they could have addressed that at the trade deadline. Uh, but I think they tried to address that, you know, bench need before the season started during the draft with Edwards. And he just hasn't panned out. All right. So if you know me, you know, I like hypotheticals. So <laughs> let's just say the team stays as it is now. It's currently their current roster is what they have going to the playoffs. We talked about it earlier. Eddie Money House, P.J. Brown. Uh, James Posey, these three players oh, were for, I forgot about Posey. Good good call. I forgot about him. So maybe he was not mentioned, but we have just mentioned him. Those three guys <laughs> were world beaters before the playoffs, and they were tremendous help in getting quality, that championship. Quality back role players the, off the bench. Quality role players exactly. off the bench. So, like I said, I love hypotheticals. Who could be that guy off their bench? Is there anyone? That could 
rise to the occasion, give them quality minutes, and not be a big-time performer, but just a solid guy off the bench to help them in the playoffs. Chris, let's start with you. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Right on the right on the hot seat. Well, you hear uh, that? That's a hot seat. It is. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, well, so, I mean, you got Romeo Langford, who I who could be – who could be someone that could come off the bench and, and give them some minutes and some points. Um, I, you know, I, again, it's a young player. He's he, similar to Edwards. He spent time with Maine and, and back and forth. And I don't know, what, you know you're not going to get like a whole lot out of him, but I think he's an option. Um, you know, you miss Canna. Uh, you know, he's been a solid addition mm. for, this, for this team. You know, um, he's, He's lacked defensively. Um, he's not the rebounder, but you know, if if he can kind of steal you a game here or there with, you know, and and you know, pick up you know some minutes in a game and you know get a you know maybe exceed expectations from that rebounding standpoint, um, you know, I, I think that he could be a possibility. But you know, I, I said a little bit earlier, I think the Semiogelay is, is probably that that guy that can come off the bench and mm-hmm. maybe he can be that person that if Marcus smart, isn't where we need him to be, he's going to have to be that guy. He's going to have to provide that toughness. He's going to have to provide energy off the bench. He, you know, he's going to have to be that player, you know, he's knocked down a handful of threes, you know, but can you do that consistently? I think the Celtics, in my opinion, take too many threes. I think they're just, you know, and I think it's the whole league anyway, but you know, you know, but can he be that player that can be consistent off the bench? I, I think he provides them the best option out of all the players that, that they currently have on the roster. Because I think there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of these young players. So I would go with Ojale. Uh, I just, I think that, I think that he's probably, you know, their best option. And, you know, and, and he gives Marcus them some, some support if Marcus Smart is, is not ready to go. I put you on the hot seat. And guess what? You killed it, Chris. Because I think you're right. I think Ojale just has that type of je ne sais quoi, if you will, to be a guy like that. And also you touched on <laughs> je ne sais quoi. And I think yeah. I, my last name is DeRogers. I am French. Uh, but I'm just saying, I think Cantor is good, too, because he doesn't necessarily have to put up numbers to be effective. If he can wear out a guy like Joel Embiid underneath, or if he can just bang with Brooks Lopez and the bigs from Milwaukee, he can do things that is off the stat sheet that can be very helpful for them. I know, and I agree. I, I think that we just need to, you know, I think people, Celtics fans, just, again, I, I say it a lot with, like, the, when we talk about the Red Sox, kind of, like, tempering some expectations. I think it's another player you do that with because, you know, he's not a superstar, but he also doesn't suck. You know, he's that really good guy mm-hmm. to have on a team that is going to compete for potentially a championship. You know, he's the type of player that can steal you a game. In a seven-game series, he could be a player that could potentially be the difference maker in a game. And you see it every single year, no matter what sport it is. Like, there's that one guy that just has that mm-hmm. one game that was that, that, that spark plug. He could be that player. But also, he's going to potentially be that player that is going to be a liability from a defensive standpoint. Because that's not his game. And that's why we, we see Tice as much as we do. But again, Brad Stevens is smart enough where he'll be able to kind of interject him to where they need to kind of place him. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think that he could be a quiet 
second wild card in the whole thing. And he seems to have a lot of heart. He's a guy who plays with a lot of intensity and a lot of emotion, which can bode well in the playoffs. So, Derek, you have a big, you have a high bar to jump over because Chris killed it <laughs> in the hot seat. Now it's your turn on the hot seat, Derek. Who, yeah, I mean, who do you think is your wild card for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you guys uh, obviously Smart and Cantor are the the two options, right? Because they're the guys that are going to get the most minutes off the bench. I mean, going back to Cantor. I mean, he was huge last year for Portland in the playoffs. Uh, you know, he mm-hmm. averaged almost a double-double, 11 points, almost 10 rebounds. Uh, first game of the playoffs last year, he had 20 points or 26 points, uh, 18 rebounds. So, I mean, he's got that capability, knows how to rebound, just knows how to use his body down there. Not the most athletic, um, but is just a veteran, so he knows he knows his way around the basket. But I think a guy... And the guy I actually wrote about, it's a nice little, nice little plug there. Check out that article. Um, Robert Robert Williams, you know, just came back from Ooh, injury. The Lord. Yeah, just I'm came back from injury. Uh, super athletic. I, like so the probably the most athletic guy on the team, maybe next to Jalen Brown. You know, he came back. He's played in like four or five games since um, you know he hurt his hip back in December. I mean, he came in the Utah game before they you know, suspended the season. He played 16 minutes, had eight rebounds and three blocks. Like that's, they're not asking him to come in and put up, you know, 10, 11 points. They need him to go out there, grab rebounds, you know, get a, catch a couple alley-oops, um, you know, and just protect the rim. So he can come out, bring energy, get the crowd fired up with, you know, anytime a block or a, a dunk that gets the crowd going. Um, so I think he's a guy who's had issues staying healthy, but if he can stay healthy and be on the floor and give you good minutes, uh, he could be a key to a, a playoff run. And ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly why I have my two heavy hitter co-hosts. Both of them were put on the hot seat. Both of them killed it. And, you know, I've got mine too. Luckily, I got to go last, so I got to think about it. And that's just why sometimes it's good to be the host. <laughs> you mentioned them just briefly, Derek. I think Carson Edwards, for some reason, I think he could be a spark plug off the bench. It won't be big minutes, but I could see him hitting big shots and scoring when they need a, a bucket. And here's why. In the NCAA tournament last year, I mean, he played for Purdue, if I'm not mistaken. He he just he, well, he shined. And there's just something about guys who can do it in big moments that I just tend to gravitate towards. The guys where the moment doesn't get too big, they can stay centered and get it done. And I think Carson Edwards just seems like he has a chip on his shoulder. He seems like a guy with a lot of heart, a lot of grit, and that's the type of guy that you're going to need to hit not a lot of shots, just the big ones. So, I mean, we all gave different answers. So there's a one in three chance that one of these guys could be pretty good. <laughs> I think we did a good job covering everything. One last thing I want to talk about before I let you, you, you gentlemen go. I mentioned them playing out the rest of the season. I didn't do that on accident. I did that on purpose. And do you guys know why? I'll give you each one guess. Where do we think this season's ending? No, no, no. Let me, let me say that one more time. Maybe, maybe I didn't say it clear enough. Before, I said that I, I wanted them to come back and finish the regular season. Why do you think I want them to come back and finish the regular season? This is something to watch. <laughs> well, that's a great answer. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Why do you think I said it? Um, I, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. I'm at a loss right. right now. All right, if this is if this was around the horn, you get one point, Derek, because I do want something to watch. No <laughs> sports is killing me. 
But this is what I was. Should have made the noise, did like the little round the horn noise. (laughs) (laughs) But here's why: that two seed is so important to the Celtics. As it stands right now, if the playoffs start tomorrow, they'd have to host the 76ers. Right. If they got the two seed, they'd host the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets fired their coach. They're not even acting like a playoff team. Yeah, but I, you, so I, 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 you don't think they could you, – you don't, you don't think that they could handle the Sixers, though? I mean, I'd rather play I think the they Nets can than hand, Right, that's the point, is that what I would rather them play. They could handle the Sixers, sure, but the Sixers are 29-2 and two at home. And you got to go there to play a seven-game series. So you're going to have hard-fought games, games four or games three, games four, and possibly game six. Like, you have big games in, in Philadelphia. So it's going to be a hard battle. And you know yeah, what else I, the Sixers have that the Celtics don't is height. And in a game in the playoffs when things slow down and it becomes more of a half-court game, that could be a real problem for the Celtics. And I just think the difference of playing the Nets in the first round and the difference of playing the 76ers in the first round is tremendous. And not to mention, if they let's just say they do play it out in this fantasy world, you know my hypotheticals, they play it out, they're also – escaping the Miami Heat and, and Pacers. They play each other. Those are tough teams. I just think that the 7th and 8th seed are going to be teams that shouldn't even be in the playoffs. They should be in the lottery more than they should be in the playoffs. So I just think that 2 seed is so important for their success in making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and beyond. Yeah, I mean, the 2 seed definitely important. I see. I think it's more important looking deeper in a second-round matchup with Toronto and having home court advantage against the Raptors would be huge. Uh, you know, if you I, go seven games yeah, I and have to play that. a game seven in Toronto, that is a tall task. You know, Philly is obviously more talented than Brooklyn, but Philly is the Celtics of last year. They just, for whatever reason, have all this talent, can't put it together. They have a point guard that can't shoot. Uh, Embiid is just, like, hot and cold. Some nights he's, you know, he's all in. Other nights he's awful. Uh, so, I mean, they would definitely present a, a tougher challenge than the Nets, but I still think the Celtics would handle them. So, I, I got to admit, I can be stubborn. And during this during this take, I wanted to be stubborn and say, like, no, they need to play the Sixers because I don't want to, you know, I think that the Nets are the lesser team. The Nets are the better play because if the way things are currently constituted, if the, if the, if the Celtics play the Sixers – who, by the way, the Sixers were three and one against the Celtics this year, which I, you know, I, so there's that. However, you're going to play Toronto next. And it, to Derek's point, they just, they can't seem to win in Toronto. They just can't seem, I don't know what it is about the Raptors, but again, it is a different Raptors team than what it was last year. It, to your point that, yeah, if they get to play out the rest of the season, they need that. They need that spot because I'd rather play now the Nets and kind of seeing what I'm seeing right now. Because again, the Sixers, Raptors, that's that that's a road to move on and oh, yeah. make your way to the playoffs. You know what I mean? I'm not going to put a lot of stock though into the three and one against the Sixers because the Celtics have had the Sixers number in the playoffs, and I, I just I don't have confidence in Philadelphia because they just haven't done it yet. And until they can prove us wrong and go ahead and, and close out the Celtics in a in a playoff series or even a legitimate team in a playoff series, and with Ben Simmons being hurt, I think the Celtics own that series. And I think they, I honestly think they could beat the Sixers in six games. Um, 
on like the on the high end. I think a five if they're playing in if unless it's a five game series if they change it. But yeah, the Nets. Unless unless Durant comes back and then who knows what's going to get there. Yeah, I don't think Durant's come back. I think there was actually a report saying that he hypothetical. I thought him coming be hypothetical there. <laughs> No, no, I love hypotheticals. I've stated that many times on this very podcast. Episode. We're going to have to do a hypothetical podcast re- next. Reports have come out that they think it's a, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a long shot that Durant plays this year. And I think him getting COVID-19 does not help those chances. That's so, true. I mean, all, all kidding aside, that it, that is another good point, too, because now you're coming back from, you're coming back from your injury. And then on top of that, you're adding in this virus. You know, and then again, it affects everybody differently. That that that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it, like, no, no, like you said, it, it it's 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 more about, I guess, the second round than the first round. But I just when I when you look at who you're playing, and if it's the 76ers versus the Nets, you just can't you just can't say with a straight face you'd rather play the 76ers. The Nets are a laughable team with their best player Spencer Dinwiddle Dunwiddle. That's, I mean, I would much <laughs> rather play them than the 76 in the first round. But no, I think playing t- Toronto in Toronto game seven might trump jumping the uh, Philadelphia-Brooklyn series. But, you know, again, we're all talking hypotheticals. We don't even know if the season's going to come back. Mm, but we true. hope it does. And just, I think the biggest thing, though, that I think everybody just needs to make sure they don't do is just don't look past where they're at right now. You know, I know we want them to play the Bucks. I, that's the premier matchup. But just series at a time. Focus on where they're at because, again, anything can happen. If you really think about it's almost like it's a brand-new season that's about to start. Typically, when the playoffs start in general, everybody's got the same record. It's a whole new year. Like, this is literally, like, going to be starting up another season within a season, you know, just mm-hmm. with how we've had this. And, again, it's it's just been a few weeks, but it, it's going to be a few months, really, when all said and done before any of these guys are going to play a lot of these guys, you know, like a LeBron, he has a gym in his home. Not a lot of these guys have that, you know, so it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how these players can come out, how they're going to play, you know, what level of, are they in, are they going to be in shape, you know, and then how long is it going to take them to the basketball shape? So it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward and hopefully knock on wood, hopefully, Hopefully we get to see it. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more right there, Chris. Well, that's it, boys. I got nothing left in the notes. So I guess we're on final thoughts. Do either of you have any final thoughts that you want to go ahead and bring it to the fans of the Boston Sports Syndicate? I, my my parting thought, I think, if, if the NBA comes back and they resume and play out the regular season, the standings as they look now could be completely different by the time the um, you know, playoffs come around. You know, we're talking about potential playoff matchups. You know, there's 16, 17 games remaining. Celtics, you know, Milwaukee's pretty much got a hold on the top seed. The Celtics are three games out of the of the two seed, so still reachable. But they also are only two and a half games up on Miami, so they could fall to the four seed. Mm-hmm. And then Indiana and Philadelphia are tied for five and six. Brooklyn and Orlando at seven and eight are separated by a half game. So, I mean, there's a, a ton of like leapfrogging and juggling that could happen within the, the playoff race. So, I mean, how things look right now could be completely different, uh, you know, if they play out the regular season. Mm-hmm. Chris, how about you? Any parting thoughts? 
Yeah, you know, um, I think that obviously health is going to be the key for the for the Celtics. Get these guys healthy. Um, you know, get these guys. You know, they're going to be fresh, but just get them healthy so that way they can get back, get on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, you know, I, I tweeted this before we went on the pot. You know, for this podcast here, I, you know, I need life to go back to normal because you know I need a haircut. I've decided that I'm not I've decided I'm not going to shave until the coronavirus epidemic is over and we're going on almost like four weeks. So um, I just I, I need some sort of like normalcy to come back. You know what I mean? Because, you know, work, home, repeat sucks. Mm-hmm. It really does. I think, you know, it was uh, the other night I really just kind of took for granted just kind of you know, everything that we kind of do in life, you know, I just kind of sit on the couch thinking like, huh, you know, I could literally, you know, be out with some buddies right now having a cocktail or two watching sports. Instead, I am not. And I am watching CNN town hall on this nonsense. And, you know, it just it just it's crazy just to try to put things in perspective. So but I'm just excited for sports. I, I need sports back. I, I need it more than ever. If you guys want something to watch, um, I don't know if you've been on Twitter recently and have seen that uh, like McDonald's challenge that's been floating around. Has anyone seen like it's an absurd amount of McDonald's food? See if you can eat it yes. in an hour and a half. Um, so Jay King, who covers the Celtics, did a live stream of that challenge today with Sean Grandy, the you know the radio play-by-play guy, basically doing a play-by-play of that. Um, so if you got an hour, <laughs> if you got an hour to kill and there's nothing else to do. You can go check it out. I, but. you know, I, I got I am not a fast food eater. I, I, I can honestly like. There was a time where morning, like my breakfast, lunch, and dinner would just be fast food without fail. And I went like ten years cold turkey, no fast food. Like honest to God, oh, no fast food. Good for you. I've had McDonald's two of the last three days. I can't. <laughs> I, 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 there's just the something wagon. about. I'm telling you, man. There's just something about an egg muffin that just. Makes me like it just starts my day, but um, I don't know if I can. I I, I don't know if I could do a McDonald's challenge. I I felt nauseous after having their uh, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit today. So no, I mean the the you know what I think of food would be a, in the challenge is absurd. No, I'm, I'm the good. food something. You know what would be tough too is I think it was like four cokes. Oh yeah, forget it. I can't even. No, I'm the soda is yeah, way worse. Forget than food. that. And now I can now this is one thing I can tell you I can I can tell you that so I'll uh, I'll I'll reveal this for our thousands and thousands of fans who will listen to this podcast knocking on wood again um I so like ten years ago I and I'm not tall I'm like five eight I weigh two hundred and fifteen pounds and I lost fifty pounds over the course of the summer since that time I have not had soda like straight up just not oh, yeah. soda and it's it's like so the thought of having one soda let alone four that just <laughs> to me like i get like i'm nauseous thinking about that and it just i'm good i'm good with that like right now it's water coffee and now on this like quasi quarantine of not going out i have been just it's just been straight wine that's all i'm doing a refined oh, guy like lebron yeah. lebron's a big wine though so LeBron, I know you're listening. Why don't you come on the podcast? We'll talk a little wine. We could talk wine, LeBron. We could talk wine. <laughs> All right, fellas, I think that's it for episode two of Above the Parquet. 
I'm so glad you guys tuned in and listened to this podcast. Uh, for Chris, for Derek, I'm uh, Matt. I don't have a catchphrase yet, so I'm just going to say nothing but net. Switch. <laughs> Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM.